That was Gloriana with Silent Night here on Faith FM. It must be December. Yeah, it's December second. We have we have Christmas songs Christmas playing. Christmas music. Yeah, it has it has arrived. The silly season has officially re- arrived, and there are some positives to it, and there are some negatives to you it. You don't like Christmas music. I love Christmas music. Oh, okay. If it's about Jesus. Amen. Some of it is about foolishness. And Christmas music that is about foolishness, I have no interest in. But some music <laughs> is um, is about Jesus. <laughs> and I think that's just awesome. I think it's a great time of year. I think we should remember the birth of Jesus. I think that, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what do you got for the uh, what do you got for the next clue for the quiz there, Lawson? Harsh opinions coming out of here and uh, coming out of the studio. Okay, yeah. Well, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, <laughs> Christmas has been commercialized, plain and simple. Yeah, you know, people I talk about the agree. pagan origins of Christmas. It has pagan origins, of course, it does. But the most pagan thing about Christmas is not its origins; it's commercialization. <laughs> yeah. Now, is it wrong to remember the birth of Jesus? No. Is it wrong to remember it at this time of year? No. Is it wrong to have a celebration of the birth of Jesus? I think that we should always look for high points uh, throughout our year in which we can celebrate certain events, and so I think that's a fantastic thing. However, uh, the commercialization of it does tend to make me a little bit sick. Mm. Yeah. And well, and the greed. I mean, Jesus is all about self-sacrifice. Mm. Jesus is all about self-sacrificing love, surrender of self, and Christmas has become soaked in an appeal to the flesh. Mm. And we kind of train our kids that way a little bit. Uh, we should, you know, Christmas should be a time of training our kids in self-sacrifice. Yeah, I'm as guilty as anybody else. I know that, <laughs> but it's all right. Okay, who am I? I am the son of Haran. Abraham's brother. Okay, who was the son of Haran? If you know the answer, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and there will be a prize coming your way. Another way of describing him would be the nephew of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're coming to our Encounter with God section now where we get into our Bible study. Quick reminder before we do that, we have a brand new Faith FM app. Uh, Faith FM Australia, just go to your app store, type in Faith FM Australia so that you get the Australian version or the Australian Faith FM uh, and download the app and you'll have a perfect signal all over the place. You can play it on your phone, whatever device that you have, run it through your headset, your Bluetooth, run it through your car and just yesterday I was talking to somebody like, yeah, you know, we drive around Newcastle and it kind of swaps between two different transmitters. Mm. And it does because of the unique topography of Newcastle. Um, but, you know, in some areas that, that you do, and I'm like, hey, it's easy. Why are you listening to it on the radio? Listen to it on your phone. This is the way that, this is the way of the future. Join the future. Yeah. Welcome to 2019. We have mind controlled robotic limbs and phones, and people running marathons in uh, exoskeletons. Yeah. It's wild stuff. Paraplegic people running. Running marathons. Marathons. There you go. That's right. Absolutely. 2019, guys, get with the game. And, of course, <laughs> um, if you're in an area where you get the delayed broadcast, um, you will get the live broadcast via the app. Mm. There you go. All right. Bible study for today. I think uh, you and Shell are going to enjoy this one. Was that? Yeah, let's just see. Okay. Um, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 27 to 29. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27 to 29. Lawson, if you can read that one for All right, us. Nehemiah chapter 12, 27 to 29. The Bible says, <clears throat> For the dedication of the new wall of Jerusalem, the Levites throughout the land were asked to come to Jerusalem to assist in the ceremonies. They were to take part in the joyous occasion with their songs of thanksgiving and with the music and their cymbals and their harps and their lyres. Lairs. Um, the singers were brought together from the region around Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophethites. The Netophethites. Those guys? Yep, those guys. Um, they also came from Beth Gilgal. And the rural areas near Geba and Asmaveth. 
for the singers had built their own settlements around Jerusalem. The priests and the Levites first purified themselves, then they purified the people and the gates and the wall. I led the leaders of Judah to the top of the wall and organized two large chariots. Wait, 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 wait. Have you gone past verse 29? I think you have. Oh, yeah, I'm in verse 31. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you wanted me to go to 31. That's all right. No, 29. 29. It's all good. Okay, so in those first couple of verses, particularly verse 27, what do we have taking place there? They get together to have a big old sing-along. There's a jam session. Yeah. We're having a bit of a jam session yesterday at Thanksgiving. Yeah. It was kind of cool. Sat around, you know, a couple of people on the guitars. We're singing. Any guitars listed there? No, they just have uh, harps and lyres and stuff, and layers. Um, yeah, no, no guitars. The guitar was invented in Spain, wasn't it? Is that a Spanish thing? Yeah, well, the classical guitar was, which would, you know, people call it the classical guitar because it was the original guitar. I, I would I would hazard a guess that it probably was invented in Spain, but very much the popular. It's such a popular instrument around the world these days. Mm. It's kind of taken over. I mean, back in the day, the harp was, um, you know, particularly in mm. Israel, the harp was a much, much more prominent instrument. But, you know, I could probably count on my fingers the number of harps that I've actually seen in my life. And the number of harpists. I know one harpist. I know one person who can play the harp. Have you ever had a crack? It's actually easier than you think. Right. If you if you know if you know what a key is, because you can tune the harp to just stay in one key and just kind of run your fingers up and down it and it makes good noise. Whereas with a guitar, it's kind of like a guitar. Is just more open. You can play anything you want. I'm sure then there are harps that are that are different to. You know, I was playing like more of a kind of basic, um, kind of low grade harp, which is like set up so you can tune it to different things and and whatnot. Whereas, yeah, with a guitar, you you kind of got to know what's up. There's like there's with a guitar. Okay, we need a harpist to call us. Okay, yeah, we definitely do. I um, think with a harp, there's probably like a lower. I would say there's a lower. Skill floor, but a higher skill ceiling. Right. Uh, a lower skill floor, but a higher skill ceiling. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, you can just kind of jump on a harp and just run your fingers up and down it. And if it's tuned to the right key, then it just like makes good noises. Right. But to actually be proficient harpist takes like heaps of practice and time and, and, and whatnot. So I think we just need... Because a harp has just a whole lot more strings on it. Yeah. Exactly. And you, and, you, and you just pluck different strings to get different sounds. But this is the thing, is that when you look at a guitar, a guitar only has six strings, and the amount of strings is... Or 12, yeah. Or seven or eight or nine or ten. There's lots. Of, I saw a 24-string guitar once. That was wild. But this, the amount of strings is replaced by the amount of frets there are on the guitar. Right. So you can't play different... You can't play different tones on the one string on a harp. Whereas on a guitar, you can. You can play different notes. Yep. And so that's the difference is that a harp is just like all the notes laid out in one big long thing, basically. Like one big array of notes, kind of like a piano. A piano is basically a harp, is a percussion harp. You press the button and it... Yeah. What, what do you, what do you look? Oh, no, I'm just, I was just thinking moving on from the harp to the, to the lyre. Have you ever, have you ever seen a lyre? Have I have ever, no idea what that is. You've never, you've never even seen one. You don't even know what it is. No. I wonder whether anybody actually, okay, we need a, a, a lyrist. Yeah. That kind of sounds bad, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it sounds terrible. We need somebody who plays the lyre to, um, to give us a call and to let us know actually how does this instrument work and how do you actually play it? It's, it's, it's kind of harpish in a kind of way mm-hmm. when you look at it, you know? It looks like it's got lots of individual strings and you play the individual notes on the individual strings. Um, Lyres from various times and places sometimes regarded by organologists as a brand of the zither family. A general category that includes not only zithers but many different stringed instruments such as lutes, guitars, cantelli and psalteries. There you go. Oh, so this is like a kind of small harp. I'm just looking at it. Yeah, now. yeah, it's a little thing that you carry around. It's not one True, of those big I've ones that, one of these that, that sits on the ground. That's it's like it's a seven string harp basically, which makes sense because you can just tune it to the seven tones of a particular key, and then and then play it. Bam! There you go. Easy. Hey. Oh man, this is so cool. Well, of course we know what symbols are. 
that that was the other instrument mentioned there. We yes, we know what a symbol is, and so man, they're just like rocking out, playing their symbols and their. Lies okay, so we've got symbols, lies, harps. Um, anything else there that was listed? People who sing. People who sing. Okay, and the voice is an instrument. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yeah, so Lawson, if you were there on the day, do you reckon you could have fitted in and had a bit of a jam with these guys? Yeah, I think I could jump on the lyre. Have a crack? I, I fully reckon. Or, or maybe the cymbals. Both the lyre and the cymbal. I don't know. I can play the cymbals. There would, there would be cymbals some- are easy. You just bash them together. <laughs> yeah, bash, like, bash, sh- bash, bash, bash. It's actually gnarly. Yeah, I can swing a hammer. Probably my the, the instrument that and I... bash steel. I'm I good would- at bashing steel. <laughs> it's just bunch of things. <laughs> Probably the instrument I consider my myself the worst at is the drums. Like I can play the guitar and the bass and the piano and and whatnot. Like you can't play the drums, but the drums. I can't is, play a thing. I can play like one kind of drum beat. I can play, you know, the box drum. Like it's the cajon which you sit on and just play with your hands. I can do that. But when you start, like you've got to be doing the hands and the feet at the same time. I just get real confused and. I just like forget to breathe. My 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 hands have to be going, doing the same thing as my feet. If I'm using my feet, basically, like either my my feet are doing the same thing as my hands, or they're doing nothing, and it just kind of gets. I try and like switch it up, and I'll do. Okay, like, so what you got to master is: is can you tap your head and run, make a circle on your stomach at the same time? So you can do that. You should be able to play four things at once. Yeah, but then it's like, okay, well then add like both your feet doing some (laughs) individual thing. It's actually, I think it's incredible. Like people who can drum really well. My, um, one of my really good friends is like probably one of the best drummers I've ever met. And it's just, it's, it's this level of coordination that is just ridiculous because it's yep. whole body. It's instead of what I love about this uh, passage is all of the different instruments that were being used here, and of course, very very different from what we have in in our typical churches today. You know, oh, yeah. I remember as a kid, a church wasn't a church unless it had an organ. Mm. How many organs do you see? You, I don't even know of a church. Do you know of a church with an organ so these days? I went and um, I preached at Nelson Bay Church, and the organist didn't show up. And so I played the organ and sang and then went on to preach. (laughs) (laughs) That was was at the end Uh, of last... Welcome to small church. That was at the end of last year. That was an awesome experience, but like... Have you ever ever sat at an organ before? No. (laughs) So it was like... (laughs) It was... uh, Well, I I just played it like a piano because I just... I I didn't really use the feet stuff because it was just like, oh, too scared. But recently since then, I've like watched some videos and I've played the organ after that and how they like pull out the stops and they use their feet for the bass notes and everything. Thing. But yeah, that was that was a that was a bit of a thrown in the deep end experience. Was, There's an organ in uh, Warunga Adventist Church, big pipe organ down there, Whoa. just amazing. You want to you want to just be absolutely blown off your feet with just like sound. And, and 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 when you stand and you sing, you everybody just sings like at the top of their lungs because it's so majestic. Did you know that the phrase "pulling out on all the stops"? Isn't is is in relationship to organs? Well, when it's you an said organ stops, and I and I and I and phrase. I visualized an organ in my mind just then and saw all these buttons, like you know, like like the choke, you know, yeah, it's like pulling out, the yeah, choke it's like on pulling the out the choke on the car, yeah, uh-huh. exactly. I can't believe you know what a choke is. Oh, what do you mean? Your age? What do you mean? <laughs> no, but um, yeah, with with the organs, so you have um, yeah, you have a bunch of different sections that make different sounds. Like there's a you know bass section and high sections, and especially when you look at an organ that surrounds, you know, the you know big cathedrals that have the organ pipes will be running through the entire building and like coming out at the top, and so they have like. All the different, you know, on the huge organs, I'll have like hundreds of different stops so you can get all the different sections of the organs. And that's it. When you pull out all the stops, everything on the organ is playing at the same time. And that's like peak volume level. It's just, just rattling your insides. It's amazing. But yeah, that's where it's like that term comes from pulling out all the stops because you're doing everything, you know, you're going for it. Well, organs are pretty, pretty, pretty much done these days, but I think most churches have a piano. Yeah. But you're, Church has got a keyboard, but you don't really use it at your church. Yeah, we use it sometimes, as, uh, like because we prefer. We just use guitar and the bass, yep. bass guitar and the little box drum. And plus, it's like, oh, I've played piano a few times at church, but it's 
I, I think, yeah, I, I like I like playing guitar because it's easier to do the rhythm. But anyways. Yep. No, there you go. <laughs> uh, the long and the short of it is that they had um, music. How important do you think music was to the ancient Israelites, like the arts? Was this something that, that they saw as being um, significant and of importance? Well, clearly, because the longest book in the Bible, or the longest book collection of Things is, is a collection of songs, basically. You know, the Psalms is a collection of songs that were written by David and Asaph and the first ever worship group, the Sons of Korah. And, um, like, this apparently, like, when we only have there are ones recorded from David and Asaph and the Sons, like, we have a tiny collection of. And Solomon. And Solomon as well. Like, we have a tiny collection of Psalms to what I imagine there would be. Like, I feel like it was just. A huge thing. Yeah, it was probably a hymn book, much like our hymn book. We've just got mm. a, uh, a small selection that God has seen uh, fit to preserve, you know, that obviously were uh, written under inspiration of the Holy mm. Spirit and are preserved in Scripture for us today. Um, and, you know, would have been sung in a, in a style that would have been incredibly foreign to any one of us. We would have been like, what is going on here? Mm. Um, but incredibly meaningful to the Israelites at that particular time. Um, and within that particular culture, you know, using instruments that um, that they were familiar with, and so <clears throat> if we actually look at um, you know what the Bible says on this subject, we find that a lot of this dates back to the time of King David. And if we go back to First Kings chapter ten, and let me see down here in about verse twelve, we find that the arts was something that David really, really. Um, put an effort into sponsor. The Bible says mm. the king made the amalgam trees, pillars for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, harps and psalteries for singers. Uh, there came no such amalgam trees, nor were they seen unto this day. Mm. And so uh, he was, you know, s- specifically seeking out the best timbers to make uh, musical instruments out of. Of course, David was a harpist himself, and so he enjoyed stringed instruments. And he starts a tradition here. Uh, we find that you know David was somebody who, um, you know, he he organised a whole elaborate system of worship that revolved around musical instruments and um, singing. You know, uh, the singers under David, of course, they were Levites. They were officially assigned to the temple. Uh, they provided music for the temple services. Um, it was a paid job. There was a full-fledged music academy uh, that was organized, uh, which David supervised. They had teachers, they had students, they were young, they were old, they worked in shifts in the temple providing music. Um, some were instrumentalists, others were singers, others took care of the instruments, and, of course, the garments for use in the services. So this was a very, very professional organization, probably the first recorded ever uh, school of Music, or what, mm. do we, what do we call it? A, um, a conservatorium. conservatorium. It's probably the yeah. first conservatorium ever recorded in history, a uh, professional conservatorium mm. that David actually put together. And so, you know, when I read the story of David, I see David more as a statesman and a general. Mm. But others read the story of David and see him as a creative. Mm. And you will often see those two things go together quite well where you get somebody who's very creative, who's a great statesman, um, and who is um, a, an actual genius. Yeah. And this is what I see coming through with King David right here, that uh, he was actually a genius, um, and he saw, he understood the importance of music. Yeah, and I think in, in the light of, you know, spirituality as well like he could see you know in the, in yes. the light of you know yes like is this a part is this a part of our you know what we believe especially as a nation of israel being god's people on earth is like is this a part of our worship yeah of course it's a huge thing for god i mean we see especially like in the book of in the book of revelation like it's all about the end of time and what's going on in heaven and it's just so many mentions of singing and harps and trumpets and and music and noise because that's something that like oh just the way that sound works that it's so intricately set up like you know now over the last thousands of years they've had the ability to to mathematically work out pitch and all the different intricacies of pitch and which notes resonate and whatnot it's like Oh, we, we look at nature, right? And we're like, wow, this is the 
thumbprint of God because, you know, we're in the Goldilocks zone and it's it's so incredible. Man, when you just look at sound and the ability that sound has to be created into music, like that, to me, I see the thumbprint of God because I'm just like, this is so structured, so organized, so like just the way that sound resonates perfectly to allow that. Oh, it's just... Incredible. And to, uh, to recognize that we, uh, you know, the Psalms being songs, uh, as we were talking about before, this is the corner room with Psalm number 139, uh, seven to six. This is one of my favorite songs at the moment. Um, but yeah.
Welcome back, guys. That was uh, The Corner Room with Psalms 139, mm. uh, which, of course, is a psalm of David. Yes. And some interesting uh, research that has just come out is that music is actually an international language. Oh, fully, yeah. Uh, we've often talked about music being the international language, uh, but it's always been like, yeah, yeah, music is an international language and you can listen to music and you can enjoy music even when the person is singing a language where you don't understand the lyrics, but you can still enjoy the music. But what they've found is that uh, research, new, new research has come out that shows that not only can you um, enjoy the music when you don't understand the lyrics, you can also tell the genre. Oh, 100%. Yeah, but the genre as as far as whether it is a love song or a worship song without hearing the lyrics, which is just mind-blowing. They wow. Have, they have... They have uh, I mean, how, how are you listening to... You're listening to sounds coming out of... A, I mean, <clears throat> I'm a... I'm a um, yeah, a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to music, but you can listen to sounds coming out. How do you tell the difference between a love song and a worship song just from the sound? But you can... Dude, Lyle, like I've my mind just been ticking over in the break because I've just been thinking about all the amazing things about music. I just want to like comment on that. How can we tell the difference? Well, like, oh, music is and sound just works perfectly. That different notes resonate in different ways, which give different emotions. Um, and they're like, as we've seen more and more influential. Um, artists, you know, like, you know, the influential musicians of the time um, that have been genre creators are those who have recognized the relationships between different notes and have really drawn that out. Probably, you know, one of the most distinct ones that that I can remember over the last, you know, um, hundred years is the use of um, where someone plays a song and then they play it, and this is this is used a lot in in movie scores where they play another song in a different key over the top of it, and because they're clashing keys, it then creates tension, and because of that tension, you know they usually use that, you know, in kind of airy and disturbing scenes in movies where it's like you know there's a lot of mystery and a lot of wonder and a lot of suspense. Like, like what's going on? They want you on? to be tense. Yeah, they want so they'll play like the the film composer uh, the composer for the song like for the for the score he'll play you know a song that's in two different has two different key centers um and it just like makes you feel all you know jittery on the inside and it's like oh man what's going on but that's because like the reason he can do that is because oh, i was talking to you about this in the break music is just perfectly divided up um we've kind of We've looked at music and we've we've uh, constructed what's called a twelve tone scale. Um, that's you know that's the complete scale. But the interesting thing, the most amazing thing about the twelve tone scale, that's something that like you know because there are ten tone scales, there are five tone scales. Um, but that twelve tone scale is like you know from from C to C or to A to A. That's like an entire range of a scale that's divided into twelves, but in that scale, this is this is mind blowing. In that scale, no matter if you have twelve notes, thirty notes, fifty notes, or ten notes, no matter how you divide it up, there are seven points in that scale that are perfectly harmonious with one another. Okay, so we've invented the twelve, but God invented the seven. Is that what you're that saying? Are like basically, like in a twelve tone scale that was invented by a man. That's our sort of standard thing. Yep. There are seven tones, no matter how big or small the scale is, there are seven tones that are perfectly harmonious with one another. Ah, yeah, see. Which is just, oh, it's just amazing. Like, it's, you know, we talk about we talk about the Sabbath, for example, and we talk about how, you know, we have the, the 365-day year, which is how long it takes, you know, for the world to go around the sun, and that, you know, we have, you know, a day being 24 hours. That was a man-made creation. One was just like, you know, all these places. But then it's like, oh, but the seven-day week, where does that come from? Oh, it can only come from people keeping the Sabbath from the beginning, you know, from, from you know, a generation. Yeah, and the human, the human body has a uh, seven-dial, what is it called, circadian, circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythm, like we look at that. But then, oh, you just look at music and the way that it's just so mathematically perfect to all route back to the number seven and, like, the completion of it. It's... 
just mind blowing, Lyle. It is like <laughs> insane. And this, and this is just like scratching the surface because See, Lawson is losing his mind here over this subject this morning, and and my brain is kind of just sort of glazing over because I have <laughs> no idea what he's talking about. I'm sure that many of you as listeners know what exactly what Lawson is talking about. I have just, he, there's there's words coming out of his mouth. Oh, <laughs> it's just so... and, I'm, and I'm so glad that he's so enthusiastic over it. Oh, um, and what I find it. is that you know you have different kind of people in the world. Mm. Who worship in different ways. <clears throat> I'm the kind of person who goes to church and, you know, waits for the singing to be over so that the worship can actually start. Yeah. That there is one reason why I go to church. I have a purpose for being there, and that is to listen to the sermon. Other people oh, go fully. to the church yeah. and their purpose for being there is the worship service, the the the, the singing. Mm. And for them, they go there for the singing, for the joy that, that brings them to the closeness that God you know, and then they bear with the sermon because that's a, the necessary part of being there for the singing. Mm. And this is where, you know, in our churches, we need to find a balance between the two. I recognize oh. that, you know, um, I am unbalanced by myself. Mm. I'm balanced out because, of course, I'm married to somebody who loves music and lives for music and, of course, produces the show here and all of the amazing music on this show is a result of her hard work in, you know, constantly searching out good music to bring to the radio show. And music that will fit in with the theme. Okay, First Chronicles chapter twenty-five, verse six to eight. This is going to be a uh, chapter. What, what was the chapter again? Chapter twenty-five. First Chronicles chapter twenty-five, verses six to eight. It's be chronically important. And <laughs> the Bible says, "All these men were under the direction of their fathers as they made music at the house of the Lord. Their responsibilities included playing the cymbals, the harps, the lyres at the house of God. Asaph, Jeduthun, and Haman reported directly to the king. They and their families were all trained in making music before the Lord, and each one of them, 288, man, that's a huge orchestra, was an accomplished musician. The musicians were appointed to their term of service by means of sacred lots, without regard to whether they were young or old, teacher or student. Okay, so everybody got to have a turn. And basically what you've got here is you've got music playing you know, almost 24-7 in the temple. Mm. You know, you think about that whenever you went into the temple. Uh, it's just a, it's a, it's a, um, it's an amazing thing. You know, I mean, how many cities in the ancient world w- would you have that environment where there is constantly music playing? Uh, these were not big cities, and you'd probably be able to hear that music in the background. You know, from a long way away, mm. uh, right across the city, and you'd be always reminded of the presence of God because there's always music playing in the temple. And it's always bringing that atmosphere. You know, whenever you have uh, music in a city, it, it brings a certain atmosphere to that city. There's, um, you know, it brings joy and, and happiness. Mm. And David understands the power of music. He has, he has seen the power of music. He is a musician. He is a creative. And because of that, he's like, you know what, I'm going to start a, um, a, an art school here in, in Jerusalem. And he does. Uh, where they teach all the different musical instruments, and it's just like, you know what? Everyone's going to have a turn. I don't care whether you're a beginner. I don't care whether you're an expert. Everybody gets to have a turn. Mm. It's interesting there. It mentions uh, Herman and Jedithan and Asaph. Um, Of course, Herman was the leader of this particular group, and Asaph was his right-hand man. And so with Asaph being his, uh, his right-hand man, we find that Asaph actually becomes the author of 12 of our Psalms. Mm. Um, so we often think of the Psalms of David. Yeah. Sometimes we think of the Psalms of Solomon, but the Psalms actually had three different authors, Asaph being one of them, and uh, some amazing prophecies, some amazing insights in the Psalms that Asaph mm. brought yeah. to us. And, uh, yeah, so we have all of this, of course, coming out of David's art school there in Jerusalem, which carries on down through. This is Psalms 80, verse 1 to 3. Give ye a shepherd of Israel. Thou that leadest Joseph like a flock. Thou that dwellest between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin. 
Hi guys, it's Baron here from Drew Wooden Toys and I'm a local member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Warrigal. We just want to invite you and your family to worship Jesus Christ with us on Saturdays. We have a kids program and an adult Bible study starting at 10am, then the divine service at 11.30. For more information, Google Seventh-day Adventist Church in Warrigal. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Precious Lord, take my Lead me on, help me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak, and I'm worn. Through the storm, through the Precious Lord, lead me on When my way grows unclear Precious Lord, linger near When my Lord, lead me home. 
at the river I'll stand So guide my feet And hold my hand Take my hand Precious Lord Welcome back. That was Randy Travis with Precious Lord. Take my hand. You listen to Faith FM. We have come to question of the daytime, and somebody has brought up the most explosive, controversial question of the year. What have you got for us there, Lawson? Okay, so the question is uh, essentially: um, Are there kinds of t- or types of music that are inherently evil and that we shouldn't listen to because you know? It would be wrong. This is a very good question, and it comes down to uh, a fault of Christians, um, and and it's probably somewhat of a human fault where people love to shut their brains off. Mm. People don't like to think. They don't like to have to think, and they're like, you know, I don't want to think. Just give me a definition. um, Give me a do and a don't, and then I don't have to think about it. Whereas God expects us to use our brains, and he expects us to connect with him in our worship to God. Uh, there has been many different theories that have been popular down through history as to what was appropriate and what was not appropriate for a worship song. If we look at the traditional hymns that you find in traditional worship today and you go back to the 16th century, of course, you know when Protestants were first starting to write these hymns, they were seen as being the greatest heretics ever because they were basically using drinking songs and and rewriting the words to them as a form of worship. You know, A Mighty Fortress is Our God is one of those very, very famous examples of that. And so many people have asked me, okay, just, just, just give me a line in the, you know, just draw a line that I can't cross. So I don't have to think about this. It's just like, here is the line. And I throw out all the music that is on one side of the line. I keep all the music that is on the other side of the line. And, you know, if you, if you go back to the 16th century, it was, it was, um, you know, um, hymns were evil. If you go back, you know, to the 1980s when I was a teenager, it was syncopation was evil. And, you know, every different generation has had a different definition of what is actually evil in music. The simple answer to this question from my perspective is, I can't give you... Music is the most individual thing there is. Yeah, It is more individual than food taste. Mm. Um, And I can't give you a black and white definition as this song is wrong, that song is right, and vice versa. Obviously, when we look to lyrics, then, you know, lyrics are going to automatically define some songs as, you know, we're not going to go there. Um, That's kind of obvious. However, I want to share this interesting passage with you. This comes from 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 23. It says this, It came to pass, when the evil spirit was on Saul, that David took a harp, and played with his hand, so that Saul was refreshed and well, and the evil spirit departed from him. What you've got here is an example of the power mm. of music. Music is an incredibly powerful form of communication. Mm. I also want you to notice that David does not sing. The Bible says he plays with his hand upon his harp. And so what you've got here is that the right kind of music will drive demons away. Mm. I want you to think about that. The right kind of music will drive demons away. If you feel that you're being oppressed by demons, if you feel that you're being oppressed by evil spirits, then put some good music on and the right, the presence of that music will drive demons away because they hate it. Mm. Okay, the question that comes up then is what if I reverse that equation? Mm. And what if I put on the wrong kind of music? Will that draw the demons in? Well, clearly it will. And many cultures, they muse music so that they can you know, demon-possess themselves. Um, and so, you know, there's, you know, clearly music is powerful. There is right and there is wrong. So then the next question comes up, okay, how do I define what is right and what is wrong? 
you know, where do I draw that line? Do I draw that line at hymns? Do I draw that line at syncopation? Do I draw that line? You know, where, where am I going to draw that line in relationship to what is the right kind of music and the wrong kind of music? Here's the simple answer. I can't tell you, but I know someone who can. Mm. And it is very, very easy. You get down on your knees. You take this question to God. You surrender yourself to God. You do not get up off your knees until you know you are fully surrendered to God. And then you go through your music collection and you will know because God will tell you, this music needs to go. This music can stay. It's all that uh, simple. Anyway, we need to uh, move on with our show here. Hey, real quick, the quiz has been won by Pauline. So oh, congratulations, shout out Pauline! Pauline um, for for winning the quiz. Um, yeah, we're just super and the answer, stoked. of course, was was lot. So we had a lot of people thinking about this question this morning. <laughs> the story but of I'm lot s- has it's like the best pun story ever, um, and. Pauline has a lot of uh, genius because she answered uh, the quiz with the correct answer. Mm. Um, and we have been hearing a lot of questions about Lot. Yeah. It's just been a whole lot of it all morning. <laughs> anyway, this is uh, Vocal Union with What Heavenly Music. We're coming to the end of our show. We've been talking a lot about music. Uh, music has been the major feature of this Bible study today in Encounter with God, and we are going to give away some music right now, mm-hmm. some truly amazing music. What have you got for us there, Lawson? I have got one of my one of my favorite albums at the moment, um, just an incredible artist that we play here on Faith FM. Her name is Anna Beden. Oh, she's epic. She is just awesome. Got and married her- the other day. She Congratulations. She did. Big shout-out to Anna Beden. Congratulations. Oh, I, I wonder... What's her last name now? I wonder if it's changed. We're going to go on Facebook and find out. Most no, musicians keep their um, yeah, professional names. That's true. I know some that, that don't, but then they do the whole like two last names kind of thing. For example, yeah. Carly Fletcher, who we play on radio. She's now, you know, Carly Fletcher Kachansky, you know, for that for that musical feel. But anyways, yeah, this is um 
This is just an amazing album. It's one of my favorites. I'm holding it upside down, actually. It's like, it's upside down, the cover on the front, and yeah. Anyways. Um, Typical. Awesome, awesome, awesome album. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you can win this album completely for free. We'll, we'll just give it to you. Cause, That's fantastic. Because we love giving away stuff. That's what we're all about. Okay, so the moral of today's Bible study is to put some positive music on. Amen. Do not put negative music on. Always look out for uh, music that uh, makes you feel glum or sad or negative or whatever. We want to have uh, positivity in our life and, of course, music that brings praise and glory and honor to God. It mm. will revive your spirits. You will feel like a new person. Um, it will wash away so much of the tension uh, you'll be blessed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. It will, as we read here in this passage from 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 23, that the music itself, lyrics aside, the music itself is powerful enough to drive demons away from your presence. So join us here on Faith FM. Lots of good music coming up throughout today's broadcast. Amen.